Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. Your home for the champions of England. Bringing all Chelsea fans together here, near, and far. Hosted by Dan, Nick, and Brandon. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented proudly by WorldSoccerShop.com. Brandon is still lost in the wilds of Minnesota right now. We, We don't know where he is. Um, Instagram would lead us to believe it's a beach, but we, uh, we have Nick here with us this week, uh, alongside myself, Dan, uh, Nick game of Thrones is probably what we need to talk about this week. It was a pretty epic episode, right? Yeah. So we were going to talk about the community shield, but I think, uh, after last night's episode, we've scrapped part one and we're going to dive into all things dragons. Um, and, and maybe a little bit of, uh, of, uh, the three eyed Raven. What do you think? Yeah, we're going to talk about Targaryen lineage and, uh, you know, really, uh, actually, we're going to talk about Chelsea. No, we're going to talk about Chelsea, not Children of the Forest. But, Uh, you know, we had to bring a guest along for the ride tonight. Uh, Joining us for his third appearance, uh, We Ain't Got No History boss himself, David Pastor, joins us. Uh, How did that early morning wake-up call treat you in the uh, Pacific time zone there, David? Uh, We're used to it by now. It's actually, it was, it was later than any of the preseason games, so it's almost luxurious to sleep until like 5 a.m. <laughs> that is uh, some good conditioning. I'm sure Conte would be pretty proud of you. Oh, yeah. Commitment. <laughs> you, work. You're definitely putting work. that work. Work. 
Uh, Nick, I know we did have some wonderful iTunes reviews this week uh, that we want to make sure we thank a couple listeners for as well. Yeah, you guys are getting into midseason form already. Uh, we have Jesh New, DG Max, <laughs> Zibbles and Bits. That's a hilarious one. Uh, I don't even know how to say Yo, 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 Tuck, Bart. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Rithmuggle, On Your Moms. <laughs> That's hilarious. And Raspy Gold. Um, all submitted in the U.S. store, Dan. But but we have a uh, we have a special treat in the iTunes reviews this week, don't we? Well, uh, that raspy gold one was actually from New Zealand, which is the first uh, iTunes review we had out of the yeah. New Zealand store. Land Kiwis. of hobbits, um, hobbits, and uh, great, great big rugby players. Sauron. Um, yep. <laughs> Sauron. Weta workshops. Um, that's that's there all I got. got. Sheep. Lots of sheep generally nice people so there you go cheers thanks well, for gonna, uh, thanks for commenting yeah now if you give us a, another five-star review on itunes and any of the country stores we'd be happy to give you a shout out give you recognition especially if it's a country we have not featured in before uh we can come up with what our belief and understanding of is, your country is in a few words um and be a horribly horribly wrong when we do it but we're going to take a quick promo break. Uh, this week, we're going to focus on the Community Shield match. We're going to go into your social media questions, and we're going to wrap it up with a little Burnley preview because the Premier League season is just around the corner. But uh, I know Nick is going to kick us into a little promo break here, talking about World Soccer Shop. Hey, guys. World Soccer Shop is your go-to destination for all things uh, Chelsea gear. So not only do they have the clean, beautiful new kits, uh, they have the new sweet Henleys, they have jackets getting ready for fall, everything that you need without any of the Tottenham preview sidebar that you might get on other stores. So go to worldsoccershop.com, support our show. I'm out. All right. Well, it's time to definitely get geared up because preseason is almost ended but before we wave goodbye to the preseason for the 2017-18 season we have to review the community shield match that took place not against Tottenham thanks to losing the FA Cup match at the end of last season Uh, we had a wonderful friendly in quotes at Wembley Stadium this Sunday August 6 2017 Score level at the whistle, 1-1, Chelsea versus Arsenal, but we lost 4-1 on penalties, featuring a new ABBA format. Not going to drop the ABBA bomb just yet. Uh, Nick, we had some uh, some lineups there, though, that were uh, kind of, uh, you know, standard, I would say. Standard is correct, Dan. Um, you know, Courtois, Louise, Cahill, Espilicueta, how many times have we said that? Sesk and N'Golo Kante in the midfield. Uh, Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses on the wings. Mishi uh, gets many minutes in this match. And started as our, our lone striker. Pedro and William filling in behind uh, to uh, to finish out the top three. Uh, we also saw appearances from Antonio Rudiger, Charlie Misanda, and Alvaro Morata. I guess as you see that and you hear that, there, David, were there any surprises outside of maybe Pedro making a pretty quick return to the starting 11 after his, uh, you know, collision with Ospina's fa- uh, fingers? <laughs> no, actually, I saw um, one of the team sheets somewhere that was floating around uh, on Twitter. And I actually, I think they had Morata in as a starter and then crossed them out and penciled in Pedro. So I think it was literally was like a last minute decision. 
Like they printed a team sheet with Morata to submit to the league, and then they said, "Oh, Pedro Rodrigo, so put him in." Wow. Yeah. That's I think it was, it was pretty pretty touch and go for uh, the man in the mask. Well, it did say it was potentially about two months that we might be seeing Pedro right. sport the mask as yeah. he recovers here. Um, yeah, as we well, look, only the four four different fractures in his face. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stitch him back together, no, pop no him big. on the field. Yeah. Oh, you know, he definitely uh, looked uh, a little better than uh, Pear did after the match, though. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> good, good on him. <laughs> Uh, as we go through the match stats, uh, you know, we looked at possession. Chelsea had the ball 46% of the time. Arsenal 54 shots to shots on goal. 11 shots, 4 on goal for Arsenal. 7 shots, 4 on goal for Chelsea. Uh, fouls, 8 to Arsenal, 12 to Chelsea. Yellow cards, 3 to Chelsea, 1 to Arsenal. Red cards, 1, which we will definitely mm. talk about. 4 offsides for Chelsea. And I think there's some goals, too, that we need to talk about, Nick. And, you know, I, I think... Since I'm kind of doing Brandon's job, you probably should do my job of talking about that first goal. <laughs> well, of course, the first goal is the Chelsea goal, uh, so I will talk about it. You're right. Um, you know, this uh, we got to be honest here. The first half was pretty dire stuff. Um, not not a really good uh, half of football to watch. Luckily, though, kicked off 46th minute. I apologize. Uh, Victor Moses cuts in off of a set piece that Gary Cahill kind of heads back in. He's right there onside, uh, takes it to the right of check and just slots it home. A really solid goal from Victor Moses, who had kind of a, a tough first half uh, and really got Chelsea on the board and, and rolling through uh, the first part of the second half as well, Dan. Yeah, you know, I think uh, especially how he ended the last season with a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a um, Magikarp maneuver with his flopping um, moments. It was nice to see him uh, score a goal, you know, find his way back into, I think, the good graces of you know, all Chelsea supporters, which was nice to see. Uh, next moment, though, David, was not, unfortunately, a goal we had to talk about, but I, I put it in here because it, it definitely tied into, I think, what led to a goal, and that was uh, the 80th minute there. Yeah, so uh, our friend Pedro, who was a last-minute starter, was about to come off the pitch, uh, but he had time to make one last tackle. And uh, fortunately, that one was deemed just a bit too strong. And uh, I think in isolation, coming in from behind and uh, raking his studs down, whoever it was, uh, his Achilles is uh, probably should be a red card. I mean, that's the that's the type of tackle they want to kick out of the game, right? If if you'll ask anybody uh, who's making these rules. Um, so in isolation, I think it was fine. Where it was a problem was uh, Bellerin getting away with easily two yellows uh, and getting on just one, maybe, and just general inconsistencies from the from the referee. So yeah, I, I think David has uh, scrolled a little further into the script because uh, there, there's a star of the show moment. We're going to talk about a, a one. Uh, oh yeah, this this be, was far from uh, <laughs> Bobby's uh, only contribution to the game. Um, but we, we, we will let, uh, Nick, there was, uh, the other goal, which was not, not pleasant to discuss either in the 82nd minute. Right. Yeah. So off the ensuing, uh, set piece, uh, Chelsea lose Kalasinic, um, you know, Arsenal's new, uh, I think left back ish guy. Um, it's, a, it's a tank actually. Yeah. yeah he's a <laughs> big legs. dude. Uh, I saw he's a tweet na- He's that- naturally strong. He's naturally strong, said Wenger after the game. He sure. doesn't have to. He doesn't have to lift. He's just strong. 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> that that definitely looks like a dude who doesn't lift. Um, <laughs> so I, w- I would say this. Uh, there was a tweet out there that said Kalasinich looks way too hard to play for Arsenal, uh, which I agree <laughs> with. Um, but anyway, so we, you know, following set piece, we lose him. He heads it in, um, you know, kind of a, a, a mental lapse from Chelsea's back line, who I think were probably still a bit in shock that we little Pedro got sent off for, you know, a, a pretty – you know, it certainly wasn't an innocuous foul, but, you know, definitely not a, a red card offense in my mind. But, uh, but yeah, so 1-1, 82nd minute. We had pretty much dominated the entire second half until that point. And then, you know, you're playing with 10 men until until the whistle's blown in. Yeah, it wasn't much longer until we got to penalties. But before we discuss that, you know, David was bringing up a point that we're going to transition to as I think about question one. Our topic one, rather, and that's the star of the show, um, the the twelfth man on the pitch, referee Bobby Madley, and had really two tough decisions. When we kind of look at the the Willian non-contact contact uh, penalty calls, and then the Pedro sending off. And you know, what was interesting, I was looking online afterwards for different opinion in Clattenburg. Um, you know, the infamous, famous, whatever you want to refer to him as, a former referee for the Premier League, uh, you know, had to say that he said he understood why it was a red card, but in the context of a game, it could easily be a yellow. Um, whilst the decision was a disappointment for Chelsea, they can uh, concede themselves. It doesn't carry into the Premier League season, which was one of the big concerns people had. And, and Conte also had some comments on the officiating too, Nick, that he uh, he shared after the game as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, um, he, he was clearly upset here. And he said, for sure, there's disappointment to finish for the second time with 10 men against Arsenal before in the FA Cup and now in the Community Shield. A lot of people told me the penalty for William was clear. For sure, there's a bit of frustration. But you know very well we have to respect the referee's decisions. But sometimes these decisions make you a bit angry. Um, and apparently, you know, I, I madly tried to... Uh, explain his decision to Antonio Conte, um, you know, and said that he wanted to complain for hours about what he perceived as an injustice. This to me, guys, like you you think back to the, um, the FA cup final, I think, uh, you know, Victor Moses red card was, was very much deserved. You know, he, he clearly had a, um, a bad tackle. That was a, a yellow card in the first half and then dove in the second half. Those kind of things happen. A straight, a straight red in a game that didn't really, up to that point, command it uh, was a little bit off for me. And I think that's why I was upset because, first of all, it's Pedro, who is a terrible tackler in the first place. And I think most people kind of know that. Um, and then, two, it's just not in the flow of the game at all. Well, and, and you know, as you're saying that, Nick. So I know David, you were talking earlier about the the many bad decisions of referee Bobby Manley's day. You know, you know, kind of going back maybe into the William conversation. You know, what were you thinking? I know maybe saw a couple of tweets out of your timeline in regards to <laughs> that decision that uh, transpired as well. Yeah, that's one of those where when you're watching it real time, it was fairly obvious that uh, William just basically tripped over his own feet. I mean, he was, uh, I forget exactly how the play developed, but he was essentially clean through on goal at that point. So, you know, to go down pretending to, to draw a foul seems a bit, uh, I don't know, you, you sign you sign to the uh, this emotion to these players that, oh, I'm going to win a, a penalty. And it doesn't seem 
didn't seem like that's what he was going for. Uh, except for, of course, uh, the referee himself, who was convinced that uh, William tripped him, or that he dove. What actually ended up happening uh, was pretty clear after a couple of replays was that uh, Bellerin knocked William's trailing leg into his leading leg, causing him to trip himself and thus fall to the ground. And, uh, you know, if we have video replay, maybe this is not an issue, but as it is, uh, the referee decided that he tripped or he dove and then uh, gave him the yellow. It's... Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? And, and that's a no call for me, right? right. Like, I, I don't think, you know, I think if, if Bobby Madley had a second chance to look at it, it would have been a no call because I don't think there was any intent from William to just dive and fall over there. He did well, get caught. The, it just wasn't yeah. egregious enough for him to go down the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Madley was swayed also by William appealing for it, and he didn't think that he got tripped, or the referee didn't think that William got tripped. So then he saw the appeal, so that possibly convinced him that he was trying to win the penalty there. But then, of course, William felt the contact, so he knew there was contact. That's why he appealed. It's I don't know. It's it's one of those where the. I think the referees, and they always say the referees have to be convinced that it's a dive to give a yellow, right? Like, it's sometimes yeah. there are, there's a gray area where it can be a no call. When you're convinced that the player is diving, that's the only time you should be giving a yellow. And just, I don't know, I, I don't, I just, this baffles me. Anybody watching that play real time from any angle could have thought that William was playing for that dive. That's what he was doing there. But I'm not a referee, so. Well, we, we definitely uh, enjoy the benefits of not being a referee, which is being <laughs> constantly ridiculed and examined across the world for every instance and moment of yeah. your decision-making which, process. <laughs> which does raise a question as to what sort of person wants to be a referee. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm going know. to deny him for flopping uh, every time. <laughs> you know, there's there's got to be some psychological things at play there. That could be the next uh, special we put together on We Ain't Got History yeah, is the psychology. I'm not qualified to analyze that as well as either, but... Uh, um, so, that we, you know, we kind of agree, I think, across the board that it would have been a no call then for the Willian kind of call. But, you know, Phil, Phil Tran, one of our listeners, asked, you know, was the Pedro Red deserved? Was it, uh, you know, defining the match result, which I think is a different question. Um, you know, I think you kind of mentioned, you know, David, you thought it was, you know, by, by the wall, a red, you know, Nick, do you feel the same way? No, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't. And like, again, it's, it's not, it's not because David is wrong by, you know, uh, explaining that that is a kind of foul that, you know, the FA wants to cut out of the game. But again, you look at the game and you look at the flow of the game and you look at the men making the challenge, and I think you know anybody in context can probably put all those pieces together and say that you know what we haven't you know there have been a couple of questionable you know yellows anyway. Um, most people give a yellow there uh, and and be done with it. You know I think to give a red after Pedro's on the ground already and, and wait for him to get up an exorbitant amount of time is it, just. To me, it was just nonsensical. And the dude had already lost – he had already lost control of the match at that point. So, uh, I think he was trying his best to, to take control back. It just is a shame that basically every big call in the match went against Chelsea. It's uh, – you know, Madley's one of the younger referees as well. And his appointment was a, a bit of a surprise to many people considering he's not – 
he's uh i think there's a perception from the fa that he's a, a sort of a rising star you know the next uh like michael oliver or whoever oh boy and so they're trying to they're trying to challenge him with all these games and i think the last game he refereed was uh, for us anyway was the two nil loss to manchester united which was seen as like this big promotion and here's your chance bobby madley prove yourself and then just compare how that match was refereed versus when Chelsea played United in the FA Cup when like Michael Oliver was the referee and what the the different level of control exerted by the referee was over the proceedings. And just based on that evidence, uh, really Madley hasn't improved at all yet. And it's just, you know, make, making calls willy-nilly, not, uh, you know, what Clattenburg and, and what you're saying, Nick, too, is, you know, it's you can bend the rules a little bit and, and and stay in the flow of a game and be consistent within 90 minutes if you're not uh, consistent, you know, f- be to the letter of the law. And that's fine, but he wasn't doing that either. And everything was just whatever he thought in, in that particular moment. Well, I'm going to send Pedro off. That's what I'm going to do. Well, when we talk about the, the flow of the game kind of falling afterwards, uh, we ended the match nil-nil or uh, level with one another. We ended the match level, and so that brought on the new ABBA penalty shootout, which uh, there were more references to Dancing Queens and anything else that I've seen in recent memory. But uh, By the way, I'm sure we're never going to hear about that again. Dear never. God. It's, uh, it's going to keep on Dan- going until the end of the time. Did everybody align on the same joke with that? Did did we did we miss a memo, Dan, on the Dancing Queen stuff? Uh, I I don't know. There was there was you know about ten or fifteen songs I saw people referencing. So I, I don't oh, feel like we. Geez. I don't think it was co- a coordinated effort. Not not as much as you know. Hey, we're gonna test this thing out if it goes to, um, you know, sudden death. And of course, it went to uh, a sudden death and uh, brought on penalties. So. Uh, that little magical moment there. But, you know, we, we had a couple questions in regards to that. Um, we had uh, Teddy Bear Huggum, uh, I Teddy 4112, asking why did Chelsea choose those uh, shooters? I'm pretty sure uh, Conte came out after the match, David, and talked about how he, he really just looks at how they shoot in practice and makes the decision that way. I guess. I mean, the standard protocol, as far as I'm always aware, is, uh, you know, the coach might have a, a, a five. Uh, players in mind but then it's up to the players really you know to tell them that they're feeling up for it or not my assumption was that uh, those guys kind of volunteered you know because neither Cahill nor Courtois are uh, regular uh, penalty takers for us so I was I was imagining they're jumping at the chance to you know have a semi-impactful penalty kick for once in their lives Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I was more surprised, actually, that Gary Cahill took a penalty than Thibaut Courtois, who we saw take a tremendous penalty two years ago against PSG and apparently is a superstar at him in training. And then, of course, Morata is a striker, so you would expect him to take a penalty. Perhaps. I don't think I've ever seen Gary Cahill take a penalty, so that was a surprise. Not only did he take it, he killed it. Again, like he (laughs) scored eight goals last year. Like, you know, you know, always has good technique and shooting. So, yeah, I mean, he's he scored some big goals for Chelsea. So I I didn't I actually thought it was a great show from Cahill to step up and take the first one. Like you want your captain to to feel comfortable in that situation. That's where Lampard was for years. And, you know, it's great. Great to see him just absolutely bury it. And then. You know, Dan, then then your boy and, and Brandon's boy, goalkeeper Union, Tebow, stepped up and uh, uh, put it in the 80th row, you know? 
Well, uh, we, we did get an Instagram comment from a uh, BB Busby who uh, again? Uh, who would be the one Brandon Busby who is a co-host of this show who did say WTF were those penalties and then uh, did check <laughs> feel embarrassed holding up that trophy quote unquote um, <laughs> it is a plate uh, which I, I did enjoy the comment of someone saying Murata was very upset that he was not holding up a plate and the response was him holding up the uh, Champions yeah. League trophy from last season so um yeah courtois shot it into orbit man he was launching a satellite uh for research um <laughs> i think he's doing it for the good of mankind <laughs> there was actually uh they asked the uh, check about it after i don't know i don't know if you guys saw this he was asked about the courtois penalty and uh several people pointed out that uh, check is actually one of the few people on this planet who knows how courtois takes penalties having uh, trained with him for a season at Chelsea. And, you know, that's something that goalkeepers do all the time. They'll practice and that sort of stuff. So, Czech was talking about, and of course, this is Czech we're talking about. So, he knows where everybody goes with his penalty, with their penalties. So, he was talking about how he knew exactly what Courtois was trying to do. But, so, he dove that way and he thinks that maybe, maybe that put, uh, put a little doubt into Courtois' mind. And that's why he, uh, he possibly tried to change it at the last moment. And, of course... That's not a good way to take a penalty. Well, he looked like he rushed it too. Like he, yeah. he looked like he stepped up too quickly. Um, you know, because the the telecast was you know focused back on right. on Chelsea's bench to see who was going to step up, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, and Tebow's right there on on the spot and just lashed this thing." He didn't even really have a run up. You know, I think yeah. he was. I think he was more nervous than anything, Dan. Yeah, you know, I mean, credit to him, too. You know, he did post later on Instagram when people know that he felt bad that he had disappointed him. And, and look, you know, we, you're right. We have seen him score a pretty impressive penalty against PSG, you know, and we saw him, you know, net a couple goal penalty shots in when, you know, we were in Minneapolis last year and mm. watched the, the training from the side. So, I mean, he's, he's capable of doing it. It was cool to see him get up to do it, and it would have been cooler to see him score it. But... I think the other thing that kind of came out about that, and one of our listeners, Spencer, reached out asking about uh, the Mishi laughing uh, after the the miss of uh, Murata. And uh, you know, Nick, I think uh, Mishi kind of cleared that up for everybody on in, on uh, Twitter afterwards too. Yeah, I mean, look, this this is ridiculous. I mean, people just take anything and run with it now. But um, yeah, Mishi essentially said. Look, why? Like, of course, I wouldn't, you know, laugh at my own teammate. You know, we're we're all on the same team. And he posted a picture, uh, you know, minutes after where he's celebrating Victor Moses' goal. You know, I, I I don't know, you know, what what kind of went into the the laughing clip, but I can't imagine that he was rooting for uh, anyone to miss a penalty, let alone his, you know, the only other striker that we have in the squad. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think that um, other than having a really, really poor day on penalties, um, you know, that that kind of sums up the match. Uh, you know, we did uh, we did not do a man of the match poll. It's correct, Nick. Yeah, uh, because you know, I I don't know who would have won it. Um, you you, you it didn't want of... it to be an Arsenal player, essentially, is what what the what it came down to. Uh, I mean, it would have been it probably would have been Vic for scoring, you know, which would have been good for him. But it's a preseason match, so you don't need a you don't need a man of the match poll. It doesn't count. And I know that you also mentioned uh, potentially foreshadowing in some way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, so after the match, the, the, a clip that I did care about, not the Mishi laughing clip, but a clip that I did uh, find some interest in, David, was uh, the the uh, video clip of Antonio Conte, you know, shaking oh, uh, come on. hands on the way to go get his second place medal. Um, <laughs> and it looked like it was a kind of a brief, lukewarm handshake with Buck and Eminala. What do you have to say about that, huh? Stir the pot. I'd have to say about that that I would be concerned if he was out there uh, glad glad handing everybody and uh, you know hey how you doing be happy to see you I want him to be upset because he cared about this for whatever reason you know I wish he didn't care about it as much but that's Conte for you um, I don't know it's uh, he gave them both the same brief handshake and he gave a longer handshake to the people who were actually giving him the medals which included uh, Gianfranco Zola. I think reading into that is about as silly as reading into Batshuayi's laughing whenever he was laughing or reading into Courtois missing a penalty, which appears to be one of the biggest talking points I've ever seen out of a Community Shield game, which is semi-friendly at best. Yeah, probably the most important thing that happened in the entire match was the moment of silence for the uh, the Grenfell victims, and uh, it's true. a shame that after after all the the good work, you know, Chelsea donating their proceeds from the the match to the, the victims, uh, that the focus was on uh, moments of human interaction being analyzed <laughs> right. over and over again on replay to try and draw a narrative out of it. Hey, at least at least nowadays we're analyzing video. You know, a few years ago everybody was analyzing still pictures. So now we're <laughs> we're improving. At least Moving in the on future. Up, baby. <laughs> uh, the last thing I think from this match, and, and we'll wrap it up in head to section two for your social media questions, is was there a hidden lineup in the met, uh, the lineups for the match when Lewis Banker's name was left off uh, the the listing? And uh, I know uh, Nazar Kinsella had posted that uh, it's pretty much waiting for a center mid to come in so that Lewis Baker can go on loan to a, a top Premier League side is what he said. Uh, David, I, I think you probably would align with that. I think uh, the assumption is that Baker is going on alone, but I wouldn't read too much into the match program not having him on there because they had uh, Christensen with the wrong number. They had him put him down as a six instead of 27. And uh, who knows? Who knows actually how they did that? How they came up with all those names? And I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but a lot, a lot has been made of the size difference. You know, that that was another point. Uh, there was a lot Arsenal of names squad, on the Arsenal side, quote unquote, squad and Chelsea's squad. And uh, you know, there were several tweets going, on, including from Simon Johnson. You know, it says this this speaks volumes about where Chelsea are at with the squad or whatever. And I'm not really disputing that Chelsea have a thin squad because I think that's pretty obvious. But uh did find it interesting that after the game, Wenger was talking about how he has too many players and he has to uh, has to get rid of several because he has basically like three players for every uh, every position. So I I would like to suggest a few loans to him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like right now, they I think they have. Somewhere like fourteen more players than Chelsea, yeah. um, and, and that's okay. Like they're gonna obviously have to trim down. We clearly have to add. There is a happy medium, and you can only have so many players in your Premier League and Champions League squad. So like it would it would not surprise me if we ended up with the correct amount of players. I just think it was absolutely silly so. that Arsenal put on like forty players. It was and, like and two what, with what the number sixty nine. <laughs> 
Gronkowski would be very, very proud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on that note, we will wrap it up. Um, Community Shield done and dusted. Plate goes into the annals of Arsenal history, and we move forward into the actual Premier League season where the points do matter. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into your social media questions. Hey everyone, uh, Nick again. We are uh, our squad is going to be in Kansas City this weekend to, uh, to do our annual planning summit. We're excited to uh, to unveil some new and exciting features for this year. Uh, but you know, while you're while you're hanging out this weekend, getting ready for Chelsea, follow us on Instagram. Follow our story. We're going to be posting a bunch of fun stuff. Uh, maybe even some behind the scenes. Uh, tidbits for you to enjoy so go to at london blue pod on instagram give us a follow uh tell your friends about us and uh and yeah let's get those followers up and uh we'll uh tweet some tweet and post some good stuff this weekend out yeah we're definitely excited for some delicious kansas city barbecue as been promised Yum. and to see brandon beat all of us in some football golf, as they say. So F- foot golf, foot golf. Um, I know that you put this in here, Nick. You uh, you want to do transfer rumors with David before we jump into what, some what? of these social media questions? Our our man runs. We ain't got no history, so he has to know what's going on behind the scenes. Come I on, wish, David. I wish I, I can be. I can be itk. Uh, sadly, <laughs> sadly, I think for the last two weeks since we signed Morata. Uh, and we began this whole preseason adventure in uh, China and Singapore. It doesn't seem like really anything's going on. For well, I'm sure there's lots of things going on, but nothing concrete that we can see from you know actual transfer activity. Basically, the word from the club via their usual uh, briefings and outlets is that we're trying to sign three or four more players. Uh, that's what Conte wants. That wants. That's what Chelsea wants. But uh, nothing's really seemed to be happening, so everybody's getting frustrated and tensions, lots of ch- lots of tensions. Uh, there is a bit of development recently where Serge Aurier, Aurier from uh, PSG is uh, could be allowed back in England soon, and that would mean that uh, both uh, Chelsea and Man- Manchester United uh, might want to start bidding for him. He's the right wing back out of Paris who was banned or is not allowed to enter England because he has a two-month jail sentence over his head in France for assaulting a police officer. So there's a good uh, advertisement for your future football career. But he has an appeal in progress, and if that's successful, then he will be available for a transfer. So he might be a, a wing back to bring back name to keep in mind. And then, look, I mean, today's big story is Virgil van Dijk handing in a transfer request. I mean, Dan, I don't know what you think about this, but it's kind of surprising to me after, you know, essentially two months of fans begging for Virgil van Dijk that, you know, it's just, it's just now in kind of the middle of August where he's handing in a transfer request and there's not a ton of time to get this deal done. You know, the, the window closes on the 31st, but still a, an incredible signing if Chelsea can make it work. Uh, and I will continue to preach the gospel to all who listen to all non-believers of the two starting 11s. 
And uh, just because you have a, a Rudiger acquisition uh, does not mean uh, just because you have a Christensen return does not mean you turn down the opportunity to sign Virgil Van Dyke at a you know pretty fair price, kind of on the market value as it stands right now. Because uh, from his caliber, if he sits another year at Southampton, the price will only kind of continue to increase. So uh, sign him up, get him added in, and let's continue to reinforce our uh, our back line. Mm-hmm. But but David, he's no Danny Drinkwater, and I think that's really where we need to be focusing. <laughs> few few people are. <laughs> um, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, Danny Drinkwater has been linked to the club. Obviously, I don't think any of us want that to happen. So. You know, yeah, we, I'll, we, I'll be all right with drink water, just not at forty million or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, it's for four million. I'll, yeah. I'll take him for four. Um, and then the last one I saw, you know, is still kind of an ongoing one. Uh, and our, our friend Joe Tweeds tipped us off to this one early, early in the window, which was Ross Barkley. And uh, you know, I think for a guy you know, that we talked about last pod, he, he's just someone who probably just doesn't have it all together, and is probably not worth the fee, but. Chelsea need warm bodies right now, David, and and yeah. you know, whatever kind of gets it done. I, yeah, Barkley again, sim- similar problem as with Drinkwater, and I think Barkley would actually fit even less, as that's the right word for the team. We need a fourth midfielder, and Drinkwater would be a very good fourth midfielder, a very expensive one, but also a very uh, a good enough for that role. I don't I don't really see what need Barkley fills at the moment uh you know unless we're expecting Hazard to be out forever which he won't be uh and my only concern biggest concern in all of these transfer rumors is that the position where we need reinforcement is wing back first and foremost and only before this Aurier rumor the only one we were linked with was uh, Oxlade Chamberlain from Arsenal and uh Arsenal are being very obtuse about all their transfer business so that's a uh, that's a tough, tough, tough signing at the moment. But he would be a very good signing for us, I think. But we need, just need wingbacks, basically. Yeah, so we, we definitely had a bunch of questions this weekend. Um, we had, we, uh, we're going to call it a game of three transfers. So we had uh, Slagtastic, uh, Aldemaro, Navarez, uh, Jacob, uh, Jesh, uh, Hamid, uh, Sashit, um, Adam, all ask questions about, you know, who are we signing? What transfers have validity? What rumors are possible? But, you know, Aldemaro kind of went in and just asked, like, hey, what are what are three or four players that we can realistically buy before the end of the window if that's kind of what Conte and the board are targeting as kind of a successful closure from an acquisition standpoint? Uh, so, so, Nick, David, like, what what are those three to four in your mind that we, if we're on August thirty first, that we are kind of putting our name together? And if you say Poppy D, if you even go that way, it's not going to end well. <laughs> hey, I think we'd all be grateful to have the legend Pappy Jilaboji back at the club. Um, you know, he, he's just great. Um, I, I think Aurier is a real a real thing. I mean, uh, and I, I would also say, you know, if you're looking for kind of a forward option to kind of steal two from PSG here, uh, Lucas Mora would be a preferred option for my taste. Uh, I think he would fit in really well in kind of the Pedro William role, uh, is super fast and, you know, has, has beat us up in the past. So hmm. I like him. I think any addition at center back would basically push Dave out to a wing back, um, 
in in pretty much every scenario. So if Virgil Van Dyke is that guy, then I think Dave gets pushed out, and we only need to sign one more wing back. Um, but I still don't think that solves like he doesn't solve the left wing back for me. I think we need, we still need a left footer over there. So if there's any way to get Jeremy Toljan, I'd be psyched about that. And then you know, I mean, that's that's pretty much your your four. So I mean, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with those four, Dan. David, do you, do you agree wow. with any of those names? Any names matching up on your shopping list there? <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not too big into shopping lists. I like to sign Christian Pulisic, but yep. uh, legend. No, I I don't think that's happening. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. The, the, store, nice. the so store that you're going if, to doesn't have all of the regular options available. This is terrible, Mister Emanalo or Marina. If you're listening, you know, Team Team USA. Lots of marketing. Uh, potential to tap into right there. Uh, no, uh, at, at this point, I'd like to have warm bodies to back up or upgrade Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses. And beyond that, uh, I don't particularly care. I'd rather sign two wingbacks and not sign anybody else than sign a center back, a central midfielder, and another forward and not address the uh, the wingback situation or address it by putting Aspilicueta as our right wing back, which I think would be a terrible move because he needs to be on the pitch all the time. And uh, the position in the 3-4-3 that he needs to play is that right center back. I don't even know what to call it, but the the right side of the three-man back line. I don't think he's necessarily dynamic enough to play the wing back uh, in full time anyway. He could be like a defensive option. That would be my one concern about signing somebody like Van Dyke. Uh, you know, if you're looking at maybe a back three of like Van Dyke, David Luiz, and Rudiger, that's fine. That's That sounds really great. But then now you have Aspilicueta either not playing or playing as the right wing back. And other, other than a defensive situation, I don't think that's necessarily a good plan. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like the, uh, the shouts for... Um... You know, Serge from PSG, I think, would be a, yeah. a, 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 a very he's shrewd a great player. He just has a, he has a little too many off-field issues for I mean, me. Here's to, the thing. We're, we're going to get rid of Diego Costa. Yeah. You know, we need to add someone <laughs> in who, who has some type of troubled past that we can bring true, up in the papers true. quite although, regularly. Although Costa, for all his issues, really hasn't gone on social media to insult his current head coach <laughs> and uh, then go and beat up a police officer. So I think there's levels levels to this. Are you not entertained? Is that what is that what's not happening? Uh, well, I mean, you know, if, if if we're looking for things to write out about and on the blog, then it's thank you, Serge. I think I think Serge would be realistic. I think um, Ox, if the price is right, could be realistic. Yep. I think Drinkwater, crazily enough, could be very realistic. Um, and and I think you know some type of center forward like Lorente could be still very realistic for us to happen, especially if Tammy continues to knock him in and basically make Clement's job super, super simple for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Just ride, you know, 15 plus goals, 16 goals this season to a place in the top, uh, top 12 of the table. Yeah. I would like to point out that, uh, Didier Drogba is still scoring 40 yard goals over in, uh, Phoenix. So, you know, if he wants a, a brief, 
brief loan, then uh, we should consider it. We would take we'd that up. Well, we will. Uh, <laughs> would love to ask though. What What are your three to four realistic signings that you would hope to see or believe can actually happen before August thirty first? Uh, tweet at us. Hit us up on Facebook. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a comment on Instagram as we kind of post the show. We'd love to kind of share out some of those uh, uh, game of three transfers that you'd like to see a couple of the other questions we had uh, you know really were uh, focused around things like Eden Hazard you know the one player who was on the pitch yesterday uh, who when he is on against Arsenal but he is on in form he turns some players into fidget spinners uh, yes those are still a thing somewhere collecting dust in a convenience sure. store for uh, a quarter of the price that they usually were listed for um, five a lead uh, Vignet and uh, Albier Bro- uh, Bauer uh, were asking, kind of when, when, uh, when, ha- when's Hazard going to come back? And then also, you know, why are we so impotent in attack without Hazard, and how scary it is? And uh, Nick, I- I'm sure you're thinking the same thing I am, where uh, Hazard back in the next month or two would be fantastic. And uh, yeah, it is scary when Hazard is not there. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think the three four three functions without him, um, really the way it's supposed to, and and that's not even uh, slanting uh, Pedro and Willian. I just I, I think that he, if he comes back and is in the same vein of form that he was in last year, he's just a, a whole different animal um, for you know center backs to deal with. So. Uh, yes, we need him back. Yes, Conte said that he's what three or four weeks away, um, which is still even for his recovery time, kind of pushing the the earliest edge of when he should be ready. Um, so it's great to see that he stayed in shape and is is really pushing his body. But you know, we said this back in May. You know, when he was injured, um, don't you know we we don't want him to push it so hard that he gets injured again. Um, so we hope that. You know, the club is smart and really gets him fit for the majority of the season um, rather than rushing him back too early, Dan. Yeah, I mean, that also kind of transitions into some of the other questions we got around this whole idea of formation. Uh, Phil Kirby, Ryan Thomas, um, you know, we're kind of all asking about this idea of like, do we need a formation change? Is the three four three going to work for us? Uh, David, are you kind of feeling anything that we might see some different surprises, maybe a try or attempt for the four two four? Uh, obviously, Bakayoko coming in gives you kind of some of that flexibility to do a pretty steel midfield, too, if you wanted to go that way. Yeah, uh, I'm not the I could see that, but I'm not really sold that we would transition back out of a three man uh, defense. I think Conte, if, if we are uh, tweaking the formation, it's going to be an attack. And keeping keeping the defensive setup as it is because that seems to be working very well still. The attack seems to run out of ideas, especially with Hazard not there to to be that wild card. And and uh, in the past, pe- people like uh, Pedro or William have stepped up, but they haven't really been doing that this preseason so far. Maybe somebody like Musonda can come in and be the wild card, or we need to switch to something like a three five two and a bit more. Uh, Bit, for, bit more midfield and bit more power and height and attack and say play Morata and Bachwai together and play a three-man midfield with Bakayoko when he comes back have Fabregas all these guys so I could see I could see that happening uh, depending on on opposition uh, especially Arsenal has has showed us now in two games uh, other than the friendly in Beijing 
that uh, matching R343 with their 343 is a, a pretty decent way to go about trying to stop it. And since it would appear that everybody, uh, every team is going to be playing a three-man defense this season, uh, that's something to to think about how to break down rather than trying to fight fire with fire. It's a really good point, though. I mean, and and I'll get to you in a second, Dan. The 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 fact that Chelsea changed formations halfway through the season, we're going to probably have to adjust the tactics or the way the formation plays or change, you know, to something else this year just to keep people on their toes because they've had the entire offseason to analyze every single minute that Chelsea played a 3-4-3, how we pass in triangles, how we move the ball through the flanks. And if we don't figure out a different way, if we keep just playing the same thing over and over, it's very easy, you know, especially when the, with the window open for a team to go buy a more athletic fullback uh, to kind of match us up on the wing. So uh, I, I totally think Antonio Conte is probably drilling a three-five-two in in training and and just getting ready to unleash it at the right time. Yeah, we saw we saw Bayern shut us down really effectively too, and they knew exactly what was going to happen for that right. first first twenty thirty minutes of that game. Is is <laughs> like they read the playbook. All right, so we just kind of start to wrap up these social media questions. We got two left here. Uh, we got our friend Derek who joined us on the uh, XL Tours and World uh, XL Tours World Soccer Shop and London's Blue Podcast trip to London last season, and he asked for us what was the biggest surprise of preseason that we saw. So, Nick, what was your biggest shock from preseason? Uh, probably that Boga got some decent minutes. You know, to be honest with you, I. I was pretty impressed with him, and, and he's a guy that I've rooted for for a while. So uh, it was nice. It was a nice surprise to see him to get to play and see him uh, try and tear it up out there. David, I would say an appearance from Christian Cuevas <laughs> would be the biggest surprise of not just this preseason, but possibly the last ten preseasons combined. It's <laughs> quite a bar trivia moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to probably say, you know, probably the lack of minutes for Christensen was a little bit of a, yeah, I mean, yeah. a little bit of a shocker, but you know, obviously we don't see what happens on the training ground, you know, and the, the comments today from his father and about, you know, what Conte said about how he looks better live than he did on TV uh, and how kind of, you know, the family feels very good about him being back there is, yeah, I think very reassuring for any of us who are kind of rooting for Christensen to get his moment and get his shot. You know, Christensen barely played, uh, relatively speaking, but he I'm pretty sure he was the only non-starter uh, from last season or non-big-name player who actually got a start in preseason. You know, the only reason Boga played was because Pedro got punched out and we had nobody else, but Christensen actually was chosen to play over David Luiz in that one game. So I think that's, that's, that's a positive sign that we can we can look at it two ways, you know. Conte didn't play the youth as much as everybody thought he would, but the one, the one youth that he did play was Christensen, like significant minutes. Uh, we uh, <laughs> we appreciate the opportunity to see Christensen strut his stuff, and that's going to wrap up our social media escapades. And thank you again for all the questions. Uh, always too many to answer in a single podcast and we will try our hardest to make sure we get more of them in the next episode but we're gonna take a quick break then come back and do a little look ahead to this weekend the first premier league game of the season against burnley 
Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that we have our uh, XL Tours survey out right now. Uh, Dan did a great job putting this together. We have, you know, 60 some odd responses so far. And really what this is going to do is kind of help guide our uh, trip planning for the year. So XL Tours has been gracious enough to give us some, some tips and uh, some potential weekends, but we want to hear from you. So go to our social media pages, go to Twitter, uh, find our survey uh, and, and just take it. It's really quick. And this will kind of help guide where we go this year. So, back to Dan. All right. Well, we can't wait to take a trip again over to London, over to Stamford Bridge. We are very excited. But Stamford Bridge is about to be hopping once again this August 12th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, which is going to be in a 7 a.m. wake-up time, or a little bit earlier for you, David, uh, hmm. when Chelsea take on Burnley for the first match of the season. Last five matches, a little bit of a, a split there between uh, between our couple sides there, Mr. Nick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is not what you'd you know, expect. <laughs> yeah, it's it, so, you know, Burnley has played us tough. Um, you know, a couple of draws, uh, Chelsea won big uh, twice, but, I mean, they, they are a tough out uh, in the Premier League, and, uh, they've even strengthened this Premier League season, um, you know, relative to to the spending that they can uh, logistically make. But uh, I think there's just, uh, you know, they're kind of taking advantage of being in the Premier League for consecutive seasons, David, and, and are trying to uh, stay up again. I think uh, Burnley get a special award for being one of the most annoying teams in the league. And they will uh, <laughs> certainly play us about as tough as any team will. I know this is 3-0 uh, for us last uh, season was a bit of an outlier. The 1-1 later in the season that's in February, I think, will be a lot closer to what we can expect this weekend. And uh, if you thought that the fact that they had Ashley Barnes on the team was bad enough, in the summer they signed not only Phil Barsley, but Jonathan Walters as well, and old Chelsea boy Jackie Cork. So it's going to be, you know... Kick, kick everything that moves and uh, hope for the best. And a, uh, a ghost of Chelsea pass to potentially score. That would be uh, that would be the bet to play some money on, I believe. But you know, I am. <laughs> I do think though that they are a little bit weaker from a defensive standpoint. Though, I mean, they did sell uh, Michael Keane for twenty five million pounds to Everton, and he was, I think, exceptional the both times that he. Uh, they played against us last season, so you know, I think there's a little bit of an opportunity to to exploit here, even though we are entering the game without Eden Hazard and and most likely without Bakayoko too. But uh, you know, I, you know, we kind of have a little comment here from Joseph, just asking what he thinks, uh, what he thinks we think the lineup will be when we start against Burnley, and uh, anything maybe different than what you would expect we saw at the Community Shield this weekend. Yeah, I would say I, I would anticipate Alvaro Morata to to start in this match. Um, you know, I think that for for some reason Antonio Conte is kind of playing it coy. He he said that he's not you know 100 percent fit yet after two weeks, which makes a lot of sense. But um, you know, Mishi gave us very little against Arsenal, and I think that you know with with a Pedro, um, Willian, Morata front line that that the movement enough is enough there to kind of trouble their back line. Uh, but everywhere else in the lineup, I would anticipate, you know, your standard starting lineup, David, what about you? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the the center forward. It's going to be interesting in uh, in the back though because Victor Moses is suspended for this game because of his FA Cup red card. Correct. So, uh, and as to what we're going to be there, going to do there is a big question mark considering we don't have another wing back on this on the squad. So possibly you know it'll be we'll Dave. see. You know, yeah, it'll probably be Aspilicueta, and then we'll have a back three of like uh, Cahill, Luis, and Rudiger, or something like that. Uh, so I'm not too excited about seeing Dave on the wing, but uh, it is what it is. You uh, should be able to beat Burnley at home with Dave on the wing. Should right? be, should be, should be. I, I'm hoping if this is Morata's first start, uh, I'm hoping he doesn't get completely kicked out of the league right away in his very first game. <laughs> I'll get carded uh, for flopping based toughness, upon the, uh, but, uh, the the way they give out cards in uh, La Liga. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. We already saw a little bit of that in one of the friendlies where Morata went down and uh, he quite clearly got kicked. But, you know, it was more of a in Spain, you think, OK, that's a foul. And then in preseason, it wasn't. So it's going to be a learning experience, I think. He's He's got all the skills, but he's got to learn. All right. So as we kind of look at it here as a whole, what what predictions do we have when it comes to a score for the match? Nick, what do you, what are you what are you about to put out there for your first prediction Ugh. of the season? <laughs> Man, we're back into this. This feels foreign to me. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll go two uh, nil Chelsea. I think you know. I think we'll have enough to get it done. Doesn't mean we have enough to get it done for the entire first part of the season, but I, I think we'll be okay. Some of the excitement coming back, and you know, I think we need some positivity around this club right now. It seems like eight years ago that we won the title, so hopefully, uh, people can give our players and, and our board a bit of a rest so they can make some signings. All right, David, where are you at? <laughs> uh, 5-0. Nil. No, I'd say 2-0. Uh, 2-0 nil. <laughs> nil for me as well. Uh, goal in each half. Ooh, goal in give each us half. A, uh, give us a, uh, a semi-comfortable comfortable victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 with a former Chelsea boy being involved in the goal, whether he committed the foul to get the set piece for Brady um, or something of that nature. Uh, you know, those former Chelsea players like to come back and haunt us in goal. But we, uh, we will look forward to connecting with you on the other side of a Chelsea win against Burnley. But before we head off into the night or into the morning or whatever time you're listening to this episode of the show, we'd love to give us some final thoughts thoughts and first off thank david for joining us and uh make sure uh, anything you want to share about uh we ain't got no history this season what's going on what people should be excited for or looking for uh no come come to the blog if you want a, a brief break from all the angst and tension and everything else on social media and elsewhere on the internet or we're, we're the home of all the mild takes <laughs> If you don't want to have the hot sauce, go to We Ain't Got No History. If you just want to break, if you just want to break from all the drama, David is being humble. We Ain't Got No History has been our home for for three plus seasons now. Uh, Great insights, great articles. Go read them. Uh, Let him know how he's doing. He's doing a great job running that site. Thank you, Uh, Nick. Any final thoughts? Yeah, um, again, very excited to have the boys here in Kansas City this weekend. Uh, we are, you know, hard at work to make this season, you know, even better. Um, 
you know, we, we surpassed our, our listing goal for last year and we're going to make plans to do that again for this year and, and have a lot of fun along the way. So um, keep up to date with us. We'll share out, you know, as much as we can as we go. And uh, thank you for listening. All right. I think my final thought here is going to be the fact that, you know, we are in Kansas City this weekend. We'll begin to watch the match together. I'm sure we're going to be doing some awesome Instagram stories. I know Nick shouted out already, but give us a follow on Instagram at London Blue Pod. We're going to hope to connect with you more on that part of the web this season. But until next time, Blues, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us.